San Francisco Cyber Talks is the cybersecurity event you can't afford to miss. For one day, leaders from government, tech, and critical infrastructure will come together to discuss the most pressing information security issues that are facing enterprises today. From election security to ransomware to threat intelligence, San Francisco Cyber Talks will feature some of the industry's brightest speakers engaging the community in discussions that are vital to the economy's health and country's safety. Join us on Monday, February 24th at the Intercontinental Hotel in San Francisco to connect, create, and collaborate with the cybersecurity community in ways that only CyberScoop can provide. So if you're headed out to the RSA conference, get there early on Monday and join us for San Francisco Cyber Talks. For more information, check out cyberscoop.com. Let's go. Welcome to Securiosity for January 28th. I am your host, CyberScoop Editor-in-Chief, Greg Otto. Back with our first Securiosity episode in 2020, and we decided to switch things up here in the new year with the way we are going to do this show. So moving forward, you're going to hear a lot more from the CyberScoop team in the way of what's going down in the cybersecurity world. We spend a ton of time talking to the experts out there in the field, and we want to give you a better feel for what we are hearing on a day-to-day basis. So when you receive new episodes of Securiosity, it will be myself paired up with somebody from our award-winning editorial team, whether that's Jeff Stone, Shannon Vavra, or Sean Lingus, talking about the stories that have captivated our audience over the week. We will still hear from General Daniel now and again on what's going on in the cybersecurity startup market, and we will continue to bring you interviews from everyone that is making interesting news in this space. But moving forward, we realize there is so much more that goes into the stories we write and post on CyberScoop, so we want to bring you behind the scenes. Case in point is this week's episode, where I discuss the S4 security conference with senior reporter Sean Lingus. Sean and I attended the conference last week, and I got Sean to go in-depth on what it was like covering one of the premier ICS security conferences in the country. Check it out. Okay, joining us now, senior reporter, CyberScoop, Sean Lingus. Sean, we were down at S4, the big cybersecurity conference for industrial control systems. Off the top of your head, what was your main takeaway from the week? One of my main takeaways, uh, Greg, was the uh, amount of money and resources pouring into this sector. Uh, It's uh, still a relatively nascent field in terms of um, the amount of players in the space, the amount of companies, but more and more some companies that aren't traditionally ICS, uh, industrial control system focused companies, are now making big plays in the space. Um, Firms like Accenture, which has really ramped up its hiring in, in the industrial cybersecurity space uh, come to mind. And so the, the conference was a lot bigger than it was even last year, and I expect it to grow uh, considerably. So when you say it was a lot bigger, give us in terms of numbers. What are we talking oh, about here? I think here? I heard, I would have to check with the organizers, but I think uh, something like 700 people were uh, sh- showed up in, uh, in Miami Beach this year to, to attend. And um, uh, anecdotally, that seemed uh, bigger than I, what I experienced last year, and I imagine since its inception, it's it's grown quite a bit. And when you say money is pouring into this, do you mean money from the standpoint of investors pouring in money to cybersecurity companies, or do you mean from these companies that run the energy grid or oil and gas or any type of manufacturing, is their security budget starting to go more and more toward these solutions? Or is it a little bit of a mix of both? I would say the, the former, mostly. What I'm talking about mainly is big cyber companies, Tenable, Accenture, um, I'm sure there are others. Um, of course, 
um, uh, more niche traditional ICS companies like Dragos and Clarity. Those have raised a lot of money as well. But I, I, what I mean mainly is the expansion from uh, IT security companies or um, consulting companies that have not traditionally focused on this. They're making big plays by by hiring uh, well-known talent to come to uh, these companies, people with really good uh, street credibility and industrial control systems, um, you know, people that are coming with, with decades of experience and they can put in this in their companies to sort of uh, build a bigger team. Uh, that, that that's, I know that's happened at Accenture. I know that's happened at Tenable. I'm sure there's more examples. I'm not trying to single out any one vendor, but just say that um, people with a wealth of experience are starting to come to these companies uh, that haven't traditionally pay, played in the uh, ICS or what we also call the OT operational technology space. So a lot of these companies that are coming in also they come in with what cybersecurities often do and that's research reports and you covered a lot of the stories that came out with regards to a lot of this research, including one that I thought was really interesting. This guy who hacked into a European utility with the blessing of the company, actually. So what happened there? So that was great to see. Um, There's been progress, but it's still, uh, you would call that on the progressive end in terms of a utility or any organization um, inviting um, that level of of, uh, penetration in their networks. what happened with him is he he basically he's a um, gentleman by the name of uh, Jason Larson IO Active, which does good um, industrial cybersecurity research, and he was invited. Um, basically, he had he had to convince internally the company to agree to this because it's sensitive control systems. But he he was able to get them to let him um, hack into their substation, basically the transmission substation, and he was able to do that replicating some of the tools. That the um, the the vaunted uh, Sandworm Group, uh, which is a, a group of, of Russian hackers that researchers suspect uh, work on behalf of the uh, GRU, the Russian Military Intelligence Agency. Uh, I mean, this is a very smart guy. His point was uh, trying to demystify some of these attacks. Now, I, I found uh, listening to him that it would be very hard for even a moderately leveled uh, attacker to do what he did in my I mean it just at first glance people might disagree with that but the point is it wasn't I don't want to make it sound trivial like he was able to, to plug something in and, and bang but he he is a very smart guy and he was trying to demonstrate how this type of attack isn't uh, wizardry but in so therefore you don't need to uh, throw throw the baby out with the bathwater and defending against it and that, that was his point. And, you know, the utilities are doing a better job of, of, of allowing security research to get in there like this. A few years ago, it wasn't wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, rare. I mean, we're talking about Sandworm here. And, it, you know, you throw out a, a group like Sandworm, which has done, you know, incredible amounts of damage that I want to get your opinion on this utility allowing him to do that. It sounds like they took a leap of faith almost. Like utility companies around the world don't just let anybody come in and go, oh yeah, I'll right. uh, hack your systems and we'll figure it out from they, there. They have, I mean, um, I'm surprised that this was presented as public research. Obviously it was anonymized. He didn't name the utility or anything and it was for educational benefit, but it was a sensitive um, exercise. And so that, that's on the liberal end of the spectrum, the progressive in, in terms of embracing that kind of thing. I have seen some more of that in recent years, but not uh, – people always say that there could be more. So it comes down to trust between the researcher and the utility. 
and then also the trust that that story isn't sort of morphed in the media. And so what we tried to do uh, in reporting on it was just explicitly state that this was a positive thing. And uh, he obviously didn't name the utility. It was a European utility. He also took a couple steps to anonymize things where he used um, some networking protocols or, 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 or um, uh, networking details from one utility and then uh, details from another utility to sort of blend it. The way he presented it, he sort of anonymized the information. So um, it's it needs to happen more more frequently, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, the, the, definitely the utility used this information to improve their defenses. And so there wasn't anything in there that was a bad bad news story. Now people may argue with his uh, his the what he, the way he set it up, where it, there's there were some. Um, you know, the level of security of the utility could have been higher to begin with. And some utilities would have said, well, we wouldn't have had these things in place, so that wouldn't work on us. But that's not the point, really. The point is that um, you have to start preparing more and more for these types of ta- attacks, and you don't need to overthink it. Um, just make yourself less vulnerable, and that might make the attackers' lives harder. So not all of this research not everybody went for broke necessarily, and we're trying to hack utilities that were actually right. uh, putting power out on the grid. Um, you wrote about uh, this honeypot system mm-hmm. that came from a cybersecurity company, Trend Micro. Uh, what happened there? So what's interesting about uh, what what they did is, is the focus on factories. Um, and I think that at factories in general, the uh, manufacturing sector are something that's overlooked, despite the amount of ransomware incidents that we've had. What type of factories are we talking uh, about here? Any, any type. I mean, uh, companies that are manufacturing, uh, uh, you know, putting anything out on the market that involves automation, robotics, uh, you know, um, uh, textiles, anything that, that makes things. But particularly, um, I'm thinking, you know, car factories. Um, You'll recall um, that some of the biggest car makers in the world have had to deal with um, with attackers. It's been a problem in Vietnam. Yeah, I know uh, there was so, a German yeah. company that was ransomware last year as well. So, right. Okay. And, 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 and uh, so the, the point here was that um, this is an overlooked area, and um, they wanted to make the honeypot, which, as you know, but for listeners out there, you know, it's a it's a mock network. It's something that you can design. Uh, but if you want to make it realistic, you actually have to have people who can can program things in there that um, actually make um, hackers believe that what they're doing, what they're hitting, is the real thing. Right. So the point is, you, you leave a system online for eight months, and granted, they left systems exposed more insecurely than maybe a typical factory would. But their point was the smaller factories don't have the resources to to or the expertise to shore these systems up so let's leave it out there on the internet and see what happens and they were infected with ransomware at least twice they negotiated with the uh, with the hackers to see how that would go out and what kind of language they were speaking and i don't think they got very far on that they said it was moderately um okay english so there wasn't any dead giveaways um but you know the the point was that um Ransomware is something that's going to have to play a, a bigger role in how organizations in the industri- industrial sector writ large, whether manufacturing, um, other more sensitive industries, oil and gas, or, um, or electricity. It, ransomware is a part of the equation. 
Um, it, it can't, you can't write it off as something that only IT networks have to focus on because um, it, it, it can be used to disrupt processes, whether directly or indirectly. And so they wanted to uh, sort of a real-world example. They used um, programmer, programmable logic, logic controllers, which are like ruggedized uh, computers used in industrial environments. And they see what would happen. They saw scanning. They didn't see anything actually infiltrating the the PLC, as they're called. Okay. Um, but, they sh they, you know, people were poking around. And, and actually, the researcher, Stephen Hilt, uh, said to me that he thought maybe – Maybe in years past they might have actually tried to tried to go directly after the PLCs, but he thinks that that one theory is that the attackers are actually uh, understanding that those are more sensitive. Uh, it's like, oh, well, we recognize that architecture, and we don't want to shut the factory down, but um, we do want to make some money, so let's let's drop some ransomware on there and 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 see what they'll what they'll say. And they also negotiated with them over the course of of, of a while, and the the, the the ransom amount dropped from. Uh, several thousand dollars down into the less than a thousand. So word was getting out that the, uh, on, they suspected that word was getting out on dark webs, on underground forums, that hey, there's a vulnerable system out here, see what you can get. But then they weren't budging in terms of paying, so the demand right. was going down for the ransom. Okay. So beyond uh, ransomware, you know, that's just one thing that these companies have to worry about, uh, whether it's ransomware, DDoS, what have you, uh, as far as the cybersecurity spectrum is concerned. But uh, there was a new uh, feature, I guess, not a new feature. There was a new programming segment this year at S4. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that they had their own Pwned-Owned conference, yeah. and it was strictly focused on ICS products. So Pwned-Owned, we know as the uh, legendary initiative from the Zero Day initiative uh, mm -hmm. that normally takes place in Vancouver where, uh, you know, people try to jump out of uh, VM sandboxes and own different browsers. Uh, but this time it was focused more on ICS products. So what was the feedback on that? I think the feedback from people I talked to was they're, they're happy that this bridge was crossed in terms of getting vendors to participate with their own equipment. It was a delicate dance, and there were some negotiations involved in getting that out there. But they hope that it, it's a, uh, that it doesn't become sensationalized to the point where people regret participating. And I don't have any indication that that's going to happen. But since it is a more sensitive area, I mean, I think what they examined were, were protocol, very important protocols that are used in some of these um, industrial environments. And I know, I, I think, I, you know, I didn't, I need to circle back on the results, but uh, I think a lot of bugs were found. And uh, now it, it, the hard work begins of sort of uh, addressing them in a sustainable way. So I think where people were encouraged, but it's a, it's a sen more sensitive industry. And I right, this isn't just popping a laptop. Right, you know, talking about physical infrastructure, and you don't want to turn people off. Uh, this is the kind of thing I, I kind of compare it in a certain way to um, uh, the voting equipment vendors and their um, gradual coaxing to the table by the security researchers to be able to participate in some sort of structured format. Now, there it's not a one-to-one -one comparison, but uh, if they're too uh, alienated by any sort of experience that might cause people to sort of retract and go back into their shells. And I, I think... Uh, the, shells, good pun there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pun, pun intended. Um, but I, I think it was a, it was a hit. Uh, people, there was a lot of attention paid to it. It's, it's not uh, gimmicky 
you know, they had real equipment and um, I think they had a mix of people who are normally show up at Pwn to Own who are just sort of hackers that are interested in just about anything, but then some people with some specialized knowledge in the industrial space. So it was a good, it seemed like a good combination of people. So overall, how do you think these companies are measuring and adjusting to the newfound cybersecurity risk that they have to bake into their business risk across the board? Because I was also there and I saw a lot of presentations which reminded me of presentations that I've seen at Black Hat or RSA, which clearly they have their place. Cybersecurity isn't just necessarily the technical aspect of everything you, you know you need to have from a business perspective yeah. um you know the know-how of how this affects uh the business operations so i'm wondering from your perspective what are you hearing from the companies that have to guard against this and how they're sort of folding everything into their risk profile yeah i think it's a different kind of risk and and they're measuring it differently i mean you're talking about first of all it, you know when you're talking about safety systems i don't think anyone really um isolates like it sort of it thinks about that in a way in, in terms of business model. I mean, safety is safety. And unless you're, um, you know, um, uh, have some perverse incentives, you're always thinking about safety. Uh, but then there's sort of safety adjacent things. I mean, things that could affect safety. And, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of incentive now for people to invest in more sort of in, uh, industrial security focused programs. And I think it's something that the risk of having, you know, um, your infrastructure go down, like how, how do you quantify the risk of a of a plant shutting down like it did in Saudi Arabia in 2017? Uh, that's something that, you know, it, downtime is something that just you can't have happen. Um, and then you want, you, I mean, all kinds of risk is measured in terms of the safety systems that allow a plant to, to, to shut down properly. Um, you know that some, investing in that kind of security is is paramount, and it's something that we, you know, you, you see companies doing. Um, but it's also still a, a research area that is is, you know, is going to need more exploring and is getting more uh, exploration. I mean, the, you know, some of these um, systems are predate sort of the more automated uh, side of things. and Yeah, we talk about legacy that, applications. We're going back here even yeah, further than back, the computing uh, era, right? Years and years and decades. But it, it's, uh, so how do you get the most out of something being digitized without um, suffering the risk? And I think that's uh, something that, that, that um, a lot of companies are walking through. I mean, um, they want more visibility on their networks to be able to see things. And that's something that's, you know, obviously a positive. Um, but it's kind of like the more they're finding out, the more they're reassessing their risk. So the deeper you go into this space, you know, um, th th there's ways to do it manageably and securely. But it's it's a question of wanting to explore it, not being afraid like that European utility, not being right. afraid of the unknown out there. Right. And so it's it's less scary than people realize. But, uh, you know, uh, there needs to be a lot more digging and quantifying. So there were, as you saw, there were presentations on cyber risks as applied to industrial sector and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's something that's still real, a very also quantifying risk in the field. I mean, safety risk has always been there. Engineers have always cared about safety. But the nexus of safety and, and, and where, where, where cyber comes in and that kind of thing is very much um, something that's being worked out and um, – I mean, it, people will always prioritize the uh, you know safety, but when does cyber impact safety? Maybe people need more data 
they don't they don't underappreciate it, but it's just uh, data always helps people um, sort of wrap their heads around the challenge. Right. Well, like you said, this is a very new field as far as exploration when it comes to cybersecurity. And as it unfolds, we'll look to you to uh, keep our readers informed. So, Sean, uh, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.